ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. Ted Trey, welcome to ATV Talk, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm good today. Thank you, Leonard, for having me uh, on with you today. Oh, my pleasure, sir. You know, you're the 1984 champ, and uh, you know what? Not many guys can go back in time and talk about their racing careers. And, you know, you were there uh, way back. I mean, some of the kids that I talked to didn't even know there were ATVs back then. So, and you're still able to ride with them and, and be a part of it. And I just think it's awesome that you'll, uh, you take some time with me uh, and allow me to tell your story. Well, you're going to tell your story, but I'm going to air it for you. Well, I appreciate it. You know, it, it was a good time in my life. And uh, yeah, I did win the first national cross country national. And that was a long time ago. And it was just a little thing, but God, it, it now as you get older, you know, you're glad you did some stuff like that and had a chance to to be somebody, you know, and I really enjoyed that. You still are somebody. You have a yes, lot of fans so across the country and, <laughs> um, you know, don't don't ever take that for granted because you do. And there's still people, young people, you know, that know who you are and that know about you. There's a lot of young people that don't. But, you know, so well, if, let's get if, this thing going and, and let's get uh, right. here, bud. Well, like I said, it was a long time ago. You know, I'm 58 now, uh, 58 years old and it's crazy, but I still live in the same cabin. I live back when I raced motorcycles. Um, still work for the same company so a lot of things have changed the same and i'm but uh currently i got i'm married got a beautiful wife i'm celebrating my 30th anniversary this year in fact as we get down through these stories today i'm going to tell you along with racing uh my first date with my wife does involve three-wheel racing and, and winning a national so i'll bring that up down the line a little bit uh got two good boys uh they're grown up one's 28 dusty He's he's riding motorcycles his whole life. He still rides. He's got a great job uh, and uh, a house, a beautiful girlfriend. He just got a puppy. I mean, it's it's awesome to think what you did growing up. Your kids are, are growing up doing good. And uh, that's uh, that's uh, a good that makes me feel good. Maybe I'm doing the right thing. Uh, my other son, Jordy, is 24 and we ended up racing a lot of observed trials uh, as we got little bit older than the kids and dust and Jordy, he kind of took it his path in a new career and he got to ride with the Marvel universe live tour. Uh, and now he has his own motor motion stunt show and he's actually getting to be a stunt man on motorcycle stunt man. And I, 
I just can think back what we did with our kids, taking them riding and, and, you know, they, and that was fun. I think, so my racing career, I feel really has rubbed off on my family and I must be doing good because both my boys are buying me better Christmas gifts than I ever bought them. So I think that's mission complete. And I hope everybody out there can, uh, can attest to that. And it, it, it's a good feeling, but, uh, enough for the family for right now. They were a big part of my life and still are, but, um, go back to three wheel riding. Um, uh, I started out riding a, you know, a 90 three wheeler back in the day, a 110. And, uh, I found that three wheel racing, three wheelers came natural to me. Uh, you know, I started out back then and I did eventually switch to a four wheeler back in 87 and I did do all right, but the three wheelers would put me on the map. And even to this day, uh, I'll be able to share some stories and, and some racing stories, but some of the adventures that went with those stories and the friendships I made with other three wheel and four wheel people uh, while traveling around the country. Uh, it, it was, it's important. It's fun. I'm really proud of it. And I hope a lot of you guys out there listening along with Leonard here, um, my stories might make a great movie or a sitcom. Uh, so if anybody <laughs> interested, get a hold of Leonard. And uh, I don't know, you're allowed to do that. But yeah, I'm actually working on the time of a book too. But uh, but back to racing. Uh, you know, I started out like a 110. I think the first year we raced three wheelers was a 185S local track. Uh, and Lawrence, you know, there's 10 guys, 12 people out there and old beat up three wheelers. And I think that's what started it. But what probably put me in and a highlight is when I got my, um, I think my first 250R. And uh, and that's when things, magazines were starting to cover three-wheelers a lot. You know, we're looking at the California boys, some from Florida. And and we were like, wow, these guys, how good can they be? Because we're really dang good here in Maryland. Uh, but I think of all the riders I got to meet back then. And and most importantly, I guess I started racing the, uh, the Wisco series. And that was put on by Dave Coombs and uh, and his whole family. Uh, but we went to these races and that's where we started maybe getting some more coverage in the magazines. And we were starting to get that. And I think the East Coast guys, uh, we kind of um, we set ourselves on the map as being pretty fast in the woods. And so that's kind of how I got going on that. Uh, I don't know. It's a lot to say here. Uh, I, ra I raced the 84 series. It was a tough series with um, a lot of the local guys, Tom Toke, Holbert, uh, Roy Danes. And we had a lot of good races. But once again, you, you met these guys and their families and you start knowing these guys really good. So that made the race a little nicer. You like going out and racing against the guys. But um, uh, the camaraderie you met with people was what was fun. Um, when you were racing in 84, did you guys travel all over the Eastern portion of the country? Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't even remember every single race. It was probably a 10 race series. Uh, we started out up at the big bear Lake campground, I believe on the 84 year. And that was up. It's probably two hours. Most races were within two to three hours from my house. So I was lucky. Uh, Racer production was based out of Morgantown. And so their racing series was based close to that area. And they did a good job. You know, there, there, there'd be hundred, hundred three wheelers almost every race. And I was in 250 R class and 
I, uh, I just, it just felt natural. It's fun to win races. Uh, I kind of, I think, uh, as the series went on, I won a few, I think I had one BNF in 84, just didn't finish well, but the series came down to the last race of the year. And that was at Loretta Lynn's dude ranch. And that was the farthest race we ever had to go to as far as that series went. Uh, but it was an honor to go down there and race. We really liked it. Uh, uh, if I could, and go ahead. What's that? How did that race break down? Uh, how'd I do? Yeah. I mean, what, you know, I know that you mentioned that everything came down to the last race. Um, yep. fill, fill in the blanks for the, <laughs> for the last lap or the highlights, you know, so yeah, it's, it's a, no. as a matter of fact, it, it, it was a tough race. I believe that particular race, Tom Toke, uh, he was out in front and he was going to be hard to beat that day, but Mike Holbert and I were putting on a good battle. I had to probably get second or better because we came towards the end of that race and it, honest to gosh, it had to be in the last couple of miles and the race isn't over to the finish line. And uh, Holbert was on a Suzuki and I was hanging with him pretty good. I, and, uh, and he ended up hitting a tree uh, within a, maybe a mile of the finish line. I'll be honest with you. I passed him fair and square. And then of course I probably pulled away from him. And, uh, but I finished second and that gave me enough points for the year uh, to win that national race. And, uh, and that was exciting. I don't think, so that was a big adventure. I had a van load of people and that's where I went back to my wife. Uh, she was my girlfriend at the time. And before we went to this race, I said, Hey honey, why don't you, uh, why don't you come to this motorcycle race with us in Tennessee? And so I put her in the van and there was probably six or seven others in that van. Everything was on the trailer. And after that race, I'm real proud. I'm up getting my trophy and drinking my champagne and just, and holler and I look back and there's my wife. She's just standing in the background all by herself. I had no idea what was happening. So I did, I got to bring her up on the stage with me and introduce her to the world. And um, I think she liked me a lot after that because <laughs> we're still married. And that was good Lord, 30 years ago. <laughs> That's kind of how the 84 season went. A lot of good battles with Hol Holbert and Toke and uh, and really all the guys. I could I can't just name every guy because it was a good group of people. Uh, but we ended up being good friends after that. Uh, so that was the 84 season. And uh, that's kind of what we're talking about. That's what got probably me and you together. You know, there's been many riders that have won three, four years in a row. I mean, look, at the good Lord, you look at the results now. There's a lot of them. They're just killing it. And uh, but I got the first one. And obviously, I'm pretty proud of that. No. So being the first guy puts you in the history book forever and Hell yeah, man. It, it puts you on a plateau that, that I don't think anybody can ever take you off of because you were the first guy, the pioneer that broke through the ceiling and, and made it something that, that everybody strives for now. And, you know, the, the, the Barry Hawks, the Bob Sloan's, the, the, uh, yeah, that's some good, it's good people. You know, I, I guess I'm kind of with them, but you can keep talking about me like that. I appreciate it, but I'm not a real big headed guy, but it is fun to, it is fun to hear that, you know, and, and remember that 84, that's quite a couple years ago, but I'm going to keep living it forever. And I still have people we talk about, uh, other things that made you pretty popular was like Blackwater race. That's a, that's a good race. And I race the Blackwater every year. Um, Actually, the 85 season, 
the I've got the new 250R. It was a little bit upgraded from the 84 model. It, uh, definitely a little bit more aggressive. Uh, that's kind of I had a I just didn't have a good year in 85. Uh, the new the new 250R was good, but I started maybe I was going faster. Uh, I started racing you know, cross country and a lot more motocross. And I really only had one bike at that particular year. And I just felt like uh, I was breaking swing arms, chains. Oh my God. I busted some stuff up and maybe I was going too fast, trying too hard. Um, actually in 85 also was finishing up college and uh, I started getting, I started thinking, what the heck am I doing? You know, your, your parents are giving you pressure are you going to race these stupid buggies your whole life? And um, now I don't know if I'm going to, I did get a little pressure in, from that year, just trying to, if I'm going to grow up or keep racing three wheelers, you know, because, uh, you know, they, it was a novelty really in our eyes. It wasn't. Hey Ted, how's yeah. that growing up thing going for you? Have you ever done that? Not yet, brother. Like I said, I'm in pretty damn good shape at 58. We're, we're going sled riding today in the snow. I got a, we played in the snow yesterday up at our, we got a, a cabin up in the woods here and we just played yesterday. Yeah. Growing up's tough, man. I'm glad you noticed that. Well, and, uh, don't you ever betray us and grow up because, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a going to be a 55 year old kid here soon. And, um, I get to play with all these toys all the time. And, um, my son's a little envious because he's older than I am. Yeah, that's true. Look at, like I said, my oldest son, he's, he's pretty, he's like really grown up in the last year. And it's, I see, well, I can't come out today, dad. I got to do this at the house. And I just laugh. I said, dad, you'll hang in there. That, that's a true, that's a true story. And yeah, so 85, it's just, I did okay. Um, the four wheelers were starting to come into the world a little bit, but uh, three wheelers were still had their own place. And so I still felt comfortable um, just doing what I was doing there and finishing up the year kind of, with, with getting the bad results and, and as, not as good as you wanted. And there was occasional good wins in there. So that kept me going. Um, so I just had to regroup. And in 86, uh, I did end up with uh, two three-wheelers that year. And that helped a lot. That helped me keep my bikes together. Uh, I do want to make note that uh, I'm hopefully going to be able to mention most of the people that helped me out in these years, including sponsors. But I had a lot of good friends here at home. I, my good friend, Dave, if anyone's listened to it, it did know us from the 84 and 85 and six years. Uh, they would have known my buddy, Dave, Dave Owens. He, uh, he was there a lot of races. He did a lot of pits for me. Uh, another good friend was Carol Plowman. He's a big old guy with a beard, kind of fit the whole scene we were in. Um, and uh, we, uh, they, they were dedicated to winning this race. And we went to these races and they were much dedicated to win as I was. And I got a lot of good, pictures of pit stops you could see those guys are just focused you know on getting my stuff together and, and fixing it or what have you or just giving me gas and slap me on the back uh, but that year started to get a lot better actually after a dismal year in 85 uh, I did pick up some sponsors and, and that was nice uh, spectro oils give me uh, my my lubes and oils and, and that was a real good product uh, I ended up with a lot of that stuff. They're pretty generous back in the day. They couldn't pay you, so they just give you product. And that really, that that's that worked well. I like Spectro. Uh, Sabaki chains uh, hooked up. You know, had chain problems the year before. A good 
And then John Ayers, who was really a part of the Wasco series, um, he ended up hooking me up with uh, gear racewear and clothing. And that, you know, it was good stuff because I didn't have, I don't want to, I wasn't a poor case, but I didn't have a lot of money, uh, you know, to travel. And so I, I had secondhand gear quite a bit. Uh, and the new gear was just wonderful and gear. And then a, a dyno port was doing my motors back then. Uh, I met those guys at the races and, and I ended up doing, it was a better year in general. It was just a better year. And uh, I think in the, in the four wheeler series, um, I mean, in the, in the, in the voice series, I think I still won every three wheel race except one. I'm almost sure because most of my competitors had made the switch to four wheelers. And, uh, and that was, it was obvious the four wheelers were just easier. Uh, they're still, now I don't want to say that because a lot of guys listening out there are probably pretty good, but there are real good guys on four wheelers now too. I was just okay. And I remember going to my first local race and there was a couple of guys that, you know, never had a chance on a three-wheeler. And I remember, well, I could tell you is Walter White, <laughs> that guy and passed me on his four-wheeler and I had to fight to get him back. And I, that's when I really realized, I said, oh my God, what's going to happen here? And then four-wheelers are taking over. Um, and uh, so that's where we're at there. Another real important person to mention here, Leonard, is uh, my good friend from Massachusetts, Dale Wentworth. Um, he started coming down and uh, he would bring, he owned fast forward racing, had the big van, the trailer, and we got hooked up with him quick. And we ended up becoming real, real good friends and uh, traveled together a lot, did a lot of crazy stuff together. He, he was outrageous. Some. Unfortunately, old Dale passed away a couple of years ago uh, and uh, really going to miss him. But that, that's not in that dang New England accent he had, you know, it's like, motherfucker. <laughs> can we say that on here? I don't know. You can always edit it out. But we always joke about that. But he he was a and he was a good guy. And I bet you a lot of people out there would remember him. And it's sad, you know, not tearing up or nothing, but I really miss that guy. Uh, but you know, with that goal, we ended up traveling a bit more. Uh raced down in Florida in 86 twice, one GNCC and one motocross race. And uh uh, the GNCC series, I kept, I kept in the top three. Actually, I might have been winning for a couple of races, but then the fours just took over. I had one or two DNFs that year uh, from unrelated, unrelated stuff, and maybe I even missed a race, and uh, and so I ended up top five, which was okay. In fact, I think that's what I had. My number was five on that bike that year. Um, that's, that's cool. Can I take a stick at either? Huh? That's nothing to shake a stick at either. No, it's oh no, you know, I am pretty proud of it. Um, I will tell you a cool story in Florida at the, at the nationals. It was a motocross national. All the factory guys were there. We had actually it was we had actually raced a, a couple of days before that in in New York, and we just come right back through Frederick. I uh, I dropped off one guy and picked up my buddy Dave. I'm taking him to Florida, and we went down to Florida and. It was a big motocross race, and it was this was a big race. It's, it, this what I've done well at this race. It was huge, and uh, the first race I ended up getting a second, almost sure. First moto I got a second and made some passes on the Kawasaki boys. And I remember Marty Hart, of course, he was the fastest guy. He had the best equipment, 
Um, and uh, he ended up winning. I got a second. So in the second motor came around, we pulled the whole shot and both Marty and I hit each other and we both went down on the corner and it was, uh, it was real sandy. So you just roll down the sand, you get up and going. So he, we pulled up behind, we were last and I, he was second to last and I was last. And we worked our way through the crowd and we passed every single person. Uh, and including those fast Kawasaki boys, maybe a couple team tiger guys, uh, whoever else was out there. Um, and there we were in first and second. And I remember coming up, finishing the course, and the, and the finish line was on top of the hill. There's this big uphill. I, I don't remember. Maybe it's called Gravity Hill or Gravity Cavity. And I come, come around. We come up out of Gravity Cavity, and it was a white flag lap. And I just went around Marty Hart on the outside like a wild man. And uh, just whatever I could. And my old Honda made it around him. I got in front of him. And I was winning this race. This was it, man. I was winning my first national, and I was gonna make make a name, besides being a cross country guy. And right as I come through the track, right at the bottom of the hill, my chain broke, and there's nothing I can do. I'm looking up that big hill, the finish line. I was done. No. Done. And I was like, son of a gun, man. And that's when we finished the race. I DNF'd. And buddy Dave come over, we're pushing back. And actually it wasn't a chain. It was my swing arm. My swing arm had cracked and it, and it just, I, the bike just wedged up and it just called, you know, what happens? Swing arm cracked, going fast. Once again, I destroyed my bike and we pushed it back to the pits. Dave come over and pushed me back. And that's when Chuck Miller, team Hanna, maybe I think Wes was there, Wes McCoy, Probably Bruce Ogilvy, they were all there. I mean, it was a big race. It was Florida Bike Week. So, sure, they were all down there because there was a lot going on in Florida that week. And that's when Wes or somebody said, push your bike over to the tent. Get your bike and get over to the tent. And uh, and they fixed that bike up. with. And they took parts right off of Marty Hart's bike. I know the shock and the forks uh, came off his bike and was put on mine. And they just threw my – they had a pile of junk – and they, in fact, they were having fun fixing up this old piece of crap. And uh, so I left that track with almost a, a very nice bike. And that was right when Honda, am I talking too much? No. <laughs> hey, I hope everybody's having fun out there because I, I like telling my stories. That's obvious. Um, so that's when um, I got this bike and that's when they started verbally talking to me. And we had some phone calls about getting a ride with Honda. And that was going to probably include a paycheck. And I was, I mean, I was excited because that, that's the goal. Who would have ever thought um, that you get paid to race three wheelers? And <laughs> as my buddy's mother always called them stupid buggies. Are you going to race them stupid buggies? And <laughs> that's <laughs> been a word in our circle forever. Um, yeah, they weren't stupid. And then as excited as I was, I left home. I think we went to Daytona a couple of days, hung out with my brother. He lived right on Daytona Beach. We were excited. I was, I was, we were excited about all this. And then lo and behold, I guess, as we know, um, three wheelers turned out worse than drugs for everybody. And you know the stories. And they probably were, uh, people were getting hurt. I think some prominent people's sons got hurt on three wheelers and that opened up the eyes. And I remember it turning up, you know, national enemy number one. Uh, even, even 60 minutes had a whole, you know, thing on three wheelers and dangerous. And they actually used footage 
from the Weisco, 1984 Weisco series, they made a video. Um, and it's a cool video because it's the year I won. And my buddy won a couple races, and we pretty much dominated the video. Uh, so I'd recommend anybody out there look up for the 1984 Weisco Cross Country Series. Uh, it's, a, it's probably still only on VHS. <laughs> uh, I don't know. but So back to the story. Where was I at on that story? Good Lord, I got carried away. That's okay. You were talking about uh, three wheelers being enemy number one, and okay. then yeah, sixty minutes. Yep. And and on sixty minutes, they had footage from that series, and it showed me coming up a hair a hill at Big Bear, just pumping up this hill, and there was a rock, and you know sometimes three wheelers kind of went at an angle, and you're just coming up a hill, and it's in slow motion, and my roll offs like hanging off like six feet behind me, and that's just you're racing, you know, and they use that. Well, this guy. Look how the three were nearly froze him off and his 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 goggles are hanging from his head. It can rip him off, hip rip his head off. And uh, but that was cool. So I got on 60 minutes in a negative way. But long story short, Honda got rid of three wheelers. That program was done. I can only imagine it was on the on the design table when that went down, you know. Uh, but but they did offer me a support ride on a brand new four tracks. Uh, which I gladly took, included parts, credit, a uh, whole bunch of fast Paul Turner stuff. Uh, oh, my gosh, cylinders and pipes and the whole setup, whatever I wanted. They set me up with a wood setup and a and a motocross setup. And, oh, my God. And then I remember my parents called me up and said, there's a bunch of packages here. And they sent me a complete 10 sets of Oats tires on the rims four ply tires, super thick Mitchell rims. Uh, some of the tires were hand carved. Uh, that, I remember that's cool about Honda because they'd have the Oats truck there and they, the Oats guys would be hand carving tires for the factory guys to use, you know, and practice, see what was working better. And uh, so with all that said, I raced the 87 year and that's, I did okay on a fuller. I did win some races, uh, but I think uh, halfway through the year, um, I got this opportunity to go out west and get a little bit of a paycheck um, and uh, worked with uh, Dave Eckerd from Oklahoma Sports Center. He owned a big boat shop. His son, Bobby Eckerd, was racing a real, real cherry 200R, custom built to keep up with Stevie Wright's 200R, probably very similar. That was a Selvy bike. Rob Selvy built the motor custom. And uh, and they asked me to come out and and go traveling with them for the whole summer. And so I got the real good opportunity to uh, to go out west and live in Oklahoma. And I actually quit my job and everything. And uh, I just went out and traveled. And uh, that was really fun. Um, I mean, he didn't I didn't make a ton of money, but it was kind of what I wanted to do. And so I loaded up that old Ford van of mine and headed to Oklahoma. Uh, and uh, so that kind of that's kind of the 87 year. I'll, I have a very end of that year. Uh, I finally got to race, get to California, meet some people. And I traveled with Eckerd's and we went to race Riverside, Riverside International Speedway. And that was uh, that was probably the first time I was going to get to race against Dean Sundle. Uh, I kind of felt racing those kind of races wasn't for me. There wasn't enough trees on the track. Uh, I wasn't scared of the big jumps. I wasn't scared to go fast. I just didn't have the motor and experience going fast. So I didn't expect 
a lot out of that race. I knew I was going to do all right. Factory guys were there and uh, we started using, you know, it was just your little wider swing arms and stuff like that. I had uh, wider swing on wider axles. And, uh, but that race, I ended up first moto. I pulled like a third or a second out of the start, probably third. And I passed in the second and I can't remember who I passed or who was in front of me, but I felt comfortable. And I ended up going off a big double jump and I had a little too much. I was a little too high in the rear. And the reason I know this so well, besides being the ride on the bike, is I, I got a guy that took three pictures of that wreck. And the one picture I'm coming off the bike, the second picture, the bike's in the air. I'm like running and my foot's getting ready to catch the handlebar. And then when it hit, it caught the handlebar and it just slapped me right down on the track, right on this shoulder right here. A big old scar. And, uh, and uh, so I was like, oh, my God, man. And uh, I was down. I felt my whole shoulder just rip back and I was hurting. My, it was hurt. And uh, so I whittled my way back to the van. And um, I was like, what the hell am I going to do now? You know, I'm hurt. I could tell I was hurt. I didn't know what to do. I, I remember telling Mr. Eckerd that um, I just want to, I'm going home. <laughs> it's time. And I went, we, anyway, we, he wanted to take me to, I think I did go to Riverside Hospital. and. Uh, from there, they banished me up and I went back to Oklahoma. But one thing it's crazy to know, and maybe it's an omen, is uh, that race. I remember we were signing up for that race and it was quite expensive race. And Mr. Eckerd was you know, signing us all up, uh, David, I should say. And um, there was an extra $40 for track insurance. Right. And yeah, I remember him saying, what the heck? I already got insurance. Well, you got to pay $40 for this track insurance. You have to. It's a rule here and we're going to have to stick with. It. So I remember. We were like, what the heck, $40? So anyways, he paid it. and uh, But that $40 got me $10,000 of coverage. And to tell you the truth, I don't think Mr. Eckerd was real happy about me being an employee of his company and getting hurt while we were on, you know, in the workplace. And uh, he was freaking out a little bit that he was going to have to pay for all this. And I don't blame him, man. He's a businessman. Uh, so... I ended up going back to Oklahoma City. Uh, as soon as I got back there, it was probably six, seven o'clock in the evening. I packed all my stuff up. I said, pack me up. I, uh, uh, Bobby and um, Dave was helping me pack up. And I said, I'm heading back, man. I'm, head I'm hurt. I'm heading back. And uh, so I say that, but I did forget. That happened. I did end up going to the when I got back to Oklahoma, sorry, I went to the Oklahoma Center for Athletes, and that's where I got my shoulder surgery. This is Dr. Carlin Yates, if y'all know him, I don't. He's probably retired now, but he put my shoulder back together, put three big screws in my shoulder, uh, two and a half inches, and they're still in there today. And I remember them saying that, "Wow, you know, you might be, not be able to use your arm again, or anything like that." And I was freaking out. But that's when I come out of the hospital with that arm all wrapped up tight. That's when I went back and I got immediately in my van loaded up. And that's when I went home and I started heading back to Maryland with my shoulder all wrapped up. I don't even think I told my mom what happened yet because I think she had been freaking out because they all thought I was crazy anyway for doing what I did. Um, so I'm heading back with my shoulder wrapped up in my old red Ford van. 73 Ford van 
and I'm going through Kansas City, uh, Kansas, not Kansas City, Kansas. If anybody's ever been through Kansas, it is a thousand miles of cornfield. And uh, so I'm riding back. It had to be one or two in the morning, and I got a flat tire. And I pulled off. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do now? I had a spare. Of course, it was packed in the back of my van. I got this shoulder wrapped up like this, all tight. So I get out of my van. It's late. It's night. And I'm like, all you can hear is the wind and the corn stalks moving. And I got scared because, <laughs> you know, that movie Children of the Corn. Yeah. <laughs> in that section of the corn I was at. And I, honest to God, I changed up my Ford van, eight lugs. I changed that tire in record speed with this one arm. And uh, I put that thing in the van and took off. And that's a true story. I'm glad I didn't make it. I'm glad I made it out of there alive from them crazy kids that lived in that corn right there. <laughs> I don't know. Believe me, what are you, if you all thinking this, they were there and you all know they were. Um, so anyways, I come back to Maryland and I just kind of took a break from ATV racing for a while. I, I went back to my same company. Uh, I left from, they brought me back with open arms, open arms. And, uh, and I just started recovering myself and I it wasn't going to have a dummy arm. And, uh, and so I put a pulley in my roof of my log cabin home and I just went up and down with a string. I totally had exhausted all my insurance money. And, uh, but I think I use it pretty wisely. And to this day, I got a pretty good rotation. So it's awesome. Yeah. So that's good. That's good. Um, Let me interrupt you here for a second. Go ahead. I'm, I'm on it. Your, uh, your girlfriend, your wife at the time, where was she? Um, actually she wasn't my girlfriend at the time. <laughs> nah, she wasn't. We had actually, um, when I had it out West, you know, I was a young guy, 23. Um, yeah, I mean, even she was my girlfriend, but it was also time, you know, move on for a little bit. So we kind of split our ways. We still chatted. Um, but back then, back then, huh? they didn't have cell phones. Um, you didn't just, you know, you didn't communicate like we do today. And that's, that's crazy. Cause really no computers in the late eighties, you know, that they were around, but they were the size of your house. And, uh, only the certain people had that option. So yeah, we didn't get to communicate like we want. I know we thought about each other quite a bit. And, um, I do remember when I came back to Frederick, I, I heard about a gathering, a party somewhere and I wanted to go back and see everybody. And I remember she was there and I remember coming up and I, and we have to, we actually, when we were preparing to talk to you, we were bringing up some old stories. And she had said, when I seen you get out of that van, you looked like you were skinny and my arm was all wrapped up. And, and I remember she said, Oh my God. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So that's a true story. Yeah. She just told me that the other day. So uh, when did you guys get married? Uh, we got married in 92. Uh, if you look at some old Blackwater videos, uh, the one Blackwater video, I got third overall. We haven't even talked about Blackwater yet, so be a good time. Um, so everybody knows the Blackwater race was um, that's a pretty famous race in West Virginia, Davis, West Virginia. It was definitely the toughest race in America. And so that particular year, I got third place. And I got up on the podium, and uh, it was the end of June. It was always Father's Day weekend. And uh, I got married on the 29th of that month. So I remember Tim Cotter brought me up the stage and 
you know, I'm getting my trophy and we like to goof around line. He just said, Hey girls, I guess y'all out of luck with Teddy because he's getting married next week. And this is his wife. Once again, they brought her up on the stage and, and, uh, yeah, so that was fun. And then don't know how it happened, but if you look at the next Blackwater video and you see me pushing my bike down the street, beginning the race, all my boys are there, Dave and Carol and my beautiful wife at that time. She's got a big old baby bump. And uh, <laughs> that was my son, Dusty, in there waiting to come out. And she ended up, that was, the race was June 15th again. And a month later, we had our first son, Dusty. And what year was that? That was 94. 94. Yeah, they got married in 92 and in 93 and 94. Yeah. So but that's always, it's fun to remember these stories. I'm glad I get to share them with you guys because uh, it's good stuff. Like racing isn't always about winning and losing. And I'm sure today it, it's, it's about getting out and traveling and, and meeting people. Uh, as you can see, I loved it. Uh, so look how much time we got here, Leonard. We got a little time. Got plenty of time. Ah, good. Guys. I, I got to I got to go to one Blackwater. I got to go with Bob. And I don't remember exactly the year. It was in the 80s. And um so I, I go to the it's one of the first, it's one of the first times in my career when I got to travel without the team. It was just me. And I was going with Bob. And to the Blackwater, you know, my brother set this whole thing up and right. to go to the wrong side of the airport to get picked up. And Bob had to come in and get me. And he's like, what's wrong with you, kid? Have you ever traveled before? And I didn't want to tell him no. <laughs> yeah, you were the great um, guy there. <laughs> I was, uh, he was awesome. And uh, we stayed in a, in a really amazing place uh, in the Blackwater, uh, you know, off of the uh, away from the Blackwater. You know, they had the uh, deer feeders in the middle of the field and deer everywhere. So I'd never been to a Blackwater. I didn't know what to think. I didn't even know what cross-country racing was. So we go across that wood bridge into, into into the area where the race was. And the first thing I see is a guy riding a 185S in gray clothes with no shoes on his shirt and pants are the same color. They're all frayed and holes and dirty. He's carrying holding a Budweiser beer, big old smile on his face with no teeth and the big old long beard. And he, I just instantly right there, I was scared to death. Well, that sounds like my buddy, Charlie Watson. <laughs> well, you remember that movie that Burt Reynolds did, right? Uh, I've seen a few of them. Which one are you speaking of? Oh, the one where they were, in the mountains, I for whatever reason I can't think of the name of it, but it was, they were talking about uh, uh, they they got into the backwoods, in the in the backwoods people freaking oh um um now 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 yeah that one that's what I'm talking about <laughs> good yeah well I'm glad you can't remember can you but yeah that is a classic movie um well you might get that impression because it's funny the rules at Davis West Virginia was. Once you cross that creek there, anything goes. And uh, my crew consistently would always be the first campsite on the left, right after you cross that. And uh, we'd have we'd have a lot of people there. We'd bring quite a crowd up there. And in fact, two last year, two years ago, we came back from the WIS GNCC, no um, snowshoe GNCC, and we stayed at Davis overnight. We were just watching that race, and our Christmas lights that we had up in the tree all in the 80s 
were still up there in the first tree on the left. And if you go there across the creek, you'll find it's a pine tree. One of my guys climbed way up in there. We put Christmas lights to run off the generator. But um, <laughs> yeah, that was a cool race. You cross the bridge. You try to go back in town. They always had the biggest state troopers on that bridge and they turned you around. And uh, yeah, you didn't want to mess with that going in town. But crossing the bridge was amazing. Um, the near the they had the military. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it was out of hand. Uh, Bob Sloan's won that race before. Of course he has. It might even been that year. Uh, I don't think he won that year. Um, I think we were on the podium, but I think Barry won it that year. Yeah, he sure could have. Yeah, I mean, that's that's good. I only won the three-wheel class there. I got in a second and a third overall, but I never got the overall at that race. And uh, I certainly did have a couple of DNFs. Um, in fact, one year at the Blackwater, uh, we decided, you know, it, it wasn't just about winning the race. It was about having the best time possible. So we brought a live hog with us and uh, we were going to, um, you know, we were going to have a cookout with this live hog. But sure enough, that thing got loose. It, it created an uproar in that whole corner of the pits. And, you know, that's the first corner of maybe 10, 20,000 people that are camping. And this hog's running around. and. Sure enough, it bit one of my buddies, Lushball, bit him. Uh, he still has effects from that today. Uh, and we finally caught that thing. But I have many people remember that particular story about you know, Trey bringing a pig to the Blackwater. Uh, I was with the guys, and they were part of my team. But no hogs were hurt in this activity. I could say that. But people were hurt. <laughs> but now nah, we did it. Cooked it up. We cooked that thing up, made it. It was a good. It's what you do. It's it's a cookout, live cookout, uh, and that was fun. But you know, you watch. I actually seen some Blackwater footage the other day, and I just googled it, and I found uh, they have all the different series. And I remember a story, and I was the '93 River Crossing was the most unreal thing you could imagine any race in this world. And before the '93, you had a place called the Moon Rocks, and it was just a real, you didn't race, the laps were 20 miles long. You had to do two laps and everything was swamps and hills. But when you came to the moon rocks, that was rocks, but it was climbing up these rocks and it was tough because there's, you know, there's 400 people racing out there and some on the first laps, so you're lapping people immediately. And uh, I come up the moon rocks and you would work your way up there as the best you could and get on top of it. But when you look, come to the top of the moon rocks, you could look down across the valley and see the 93 river crossing. and there was 10,000 people lined up there and they were called the mud fleas. And when you came down, when you approached the 93 river crossing, they always had these little paths for you to take. And so you would trust these people are getting you to the, to the wall. And so you had to cross the Creek and then there was a 12 foot bank. Um, and when 10,000 people have been there for the last couple of hours, sliding down on coolers, up and down, drunk beer, just playing on their buggies. It was slippery. Uh, so you would come down the 93 river crossing with nothing else in your mind, but hit it hard. Do not, don't worry about who's in the way you hit it hard because if you were the guy that stopped and they did have a wussy trail and it was a sign, it said wussy trail. And if you went down the wussy trail and crossed the little Creek crossing down the Creek 50 yards or so, you would be pummeled with beer cans. These these folks were relentless, and I I don't know. It was so you came down there and you were going to hit this crossing and hit it hard because if you didn't make it up the hill, 
the people would form a human chain, not only get your bike up and drag it up the hill and have it ready to go, wipe the grips off, but they would drag you up the hill and it, it was happening fast. You just went with it. And, uh, and that was fun. And then you, then you had about a hundred yards of people lined up. They were slapping you in the back, giving you an attaboy. And then you, it was three miles from the finish line. So it, it was go time uh, to finish up the race. And I remember one time I came down going crazy and I did run over a guy and uh, he, I buried him in the water, like slapped him down the water and I made it up the hill and went, but gosh darn, if I didn't see that exact moment on a Blackwater video just the other day. And uh, so that was crazy. I hit the guy. He just flipped down. I th- I'm pretty sure he wasn't hurt because he got up cheering, holding his beer up. Um, so <laughs> that's it. That's what goes on. You know, the racing, that kind of racing makes your pit life and your memories. They just go on forever. That's that was a cool place to race. Uh, I'm honored to race there. I'm going back to the uh, GNCC at um, Snowshoe coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, no, a couple months, June. and. Uh, we're going to stay the night there in Davis and just cross that Creek again and sit back there and just remember some stories. It's a beautiful place now, but without hundred thousand people and dirt bikes, it's a little nicer, probably <laughs> a little bit more environmentally friendly. Well, I remember when we were there, I think we got there on Thursday and they got guys carrying coolers of water up to this one spot and they just kept riding these ATVs back and forth over these wet spots. And by the end of the day, there was no more ATVs. They were in trucks and there was no UTVs at that point. And so we get Saturday and this is no longer a small mud hole. This thing is huge and deep. And the army guys were in there and their boss, their captain or their head guy, let them bring two Humvees in. I seen that. Yes. And, and they, uh, they brought those Humvees through the mud. Uh, One of them made it and the other one, they had to tow it out. Um, and the people just cheered and loved every minute of it and uh, took care of those guys and patted them on the back and appreciated them coming out there and playing with them. It was that's exactly I saw that also. Yeah, I, I think that was one of the most amazing deals. This guy comes in there in a Chevy pickup truck. And we're talking this is in the 80s. OK, this is before um, they had some of these cool lifted trucks. And this guy's got a monster truck with big tires on it, chrome everywhere. and. You know, he ain't got no shoes on. His pants are torn and ripped. And I mean, if you seen him walking in around the, the, the campsite, you'd think he's homeless. And he's got this beautiful pickup truck and he gets it out in the middle of this thing and it blows up. Okay, perfect. He opens the door <laughs> and dives into the mud, shut the door, and it just left it sit there until they drug it out of there at some other point but it, it yeah. sat there for a long time and people just covered it with mud and then like the guy like whatever what am i gonna do yep they were splashing throwing beer cans in the back of it yeah it was there was no control it i, I do remember those that's when humvees were kind of new yes and it's like wow and they wanted to show what they could do and i, I we were probably side by side that time man you we were probably close by i can't remember it's funny i can't remember i wish i could remember every fact every year uh and like i said when i was talking to you i I did do some research so i could have some of my data correct and uh well i got to ride the course or portions of the course with bob on a motorcycle the day before the race before the creek crossings were dammed off before Mm -hmm. they raised it all up you know and he was explaining to me everything that went on 
Um, we rode that section where all the fleas were, uh, and it was a, tr it was a stream and I'm like, Bob, w w what's going on? Yeah. They'll, they'll start damming this thing up here anytime uh, just mm -hmm. to make it, uh, challenging for us to create the, uh, water crossing that, that takes so many guys out, but it also, they save us at the same time. Yep. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. If anybody's listening to this and our stories are pretty matching. So if anybody out there is like, what is this Blackwater thing? Just Google Blackwater 93 River Crossing or Blackwater 100. It, it'll just blow you away of what we got to do and probably why we're so crazy and excited nowadays because we got a good opportunity. Uh, I guess the snowshoe race is the new Blackwater, uh, but it has a section that's where the mud fleas are allowed to play and it's going to be pretty popular. Uh, so if you need to get that fix on this year, that's where you got to go, the snowshoe. GNCC and Snowshoe Ski Resort, and uh, that'll be good. Hey, you know, I wanted to, I don't know if I got to elaborate how important the Coombs family was to me and and, uh, and how that, you know, Dave Coombs started this fantastic race series, and I got to be there at the very beginning. And uh, when we went to the first GNCC, it was late. It was probably 12 at night. We're going into the track. You know, on a Friday night, we're racing the next morning, just like usual. And Dave was closing the gate up. We didn't know him. He didn't know us. And he kind of took us under wing and took us up to the campsite and was sitting there talking to us, helping us unload. But it was so cool because he started telling us about this race series and how he's going to try to get the ATVs involved more. And it's going to be the biggest series in the world. And, and you know, it, it always was pretty big. There was a lot of people at this race I was at. And uh, I was just so excited to hear that. It's going to be real close. All the races are close to here. And uh, and so from then on, I was part of the very beginning. But uh, the whole family, they were into it. And, you know, Davey and Timmy and, and Rita Coombs and Carrie Joe. They, it was a family business. And I, I thought that was really cool. And the other people that were just part of John Ayers was a big part of that. And uh, you just got to meet these guys and then travel with them. Well, we ended up racing this arena cross series and that was the first time I got to race indoors in front of a lot of people, like 20,000 people. And they treated the three wheelers the same as the two wheelers. You know, you got to come out and, and before the race and, and people was cheering and there was some good, good competition there, but that series was fun. Um, it was busy because I'm pretty sure I raced an arena cross on a Saturday at Nassau Coliseum in New York. And I came back home right through Maryland, made some changes. I think I had two bikes then and grabbed my other bike. And we ended up going to Florida and raced a GNCC on a Wednesday. And I'm thinking that was in Gainesville. Um, so they were, I mean, they were going back and forth, putting these events together and we were trying to race them all, but, the arena cross series was cool because it was motocross. Um, there was a lot of, it was, it was, it was bringing it indoors and, uh, and it was making it easy, but you're getting a lot of coverage and they're paying money too. And uh, so we were winning some money and that was fun. Uh, but because I did well in the series, I think I got a third. The Coons family took, I think it was 40 or 45 people on a cruise to the Bahamas. Uh, all expenses paid, bring your beer money or whatever. And uh, I remember they jammed four of us in this little tiny cabin. And, and uh, but it didn't matter, man. We were on a cruise and I'd never been on a cruise before. And uh, 
but part of this cruise was going to be this moped race. And uh, didn't know, just be at the dock tomorrow at, you know, eight, 10 o'clock. And it turned out it was a scavenger hunt. So we're getting there and there was a lot of people. So the guy's renting the mopeds out and he's like, oh my God. So he gets on the phone and here comes another truckload of mopeds and they're just throwing a pickup truck. And I'd fry eight of them in there to get everybody a moped. And we all went over our mopeds and they were pretty beat up. Uh, we were just trying to make them work. And so the race, we were all lined up. You didn't have to wear helmets. I think I had on this little plastic thing for a helmet, shorts, chuck sneakers. That was it. No shirts. It was warm as Bahamas. So they said go and they give you a, a paper. And this paper had where you were supposed to go around the island. And it was a scavenger hunt. You had to get what was written. So the first spot, we come flying. It was a cave. And you had to read what was written in the back of the cave. And uh, so you run in there. And it, what it was, it was, it was graffiti. And, it, you know, it's an F you, whatever. And you had to run out and write it down. When we come running out, the two old guys, we were kind of rivals, the two wheel arena cross guys and the three wheel arena cross guys. We were kind of rival people. And um, well, the guy comes out, he grabbed all our moped keys and just threw them and run. They're laughing and off they go. And so we had to find our keys. And while we were finding our keys, we run into the dude that rented the mopeds to us. And his name was Fozzie. Right. And um, he was super cool behind the guy. Yeah, man, I'll show you around the island. And we showed him, we said, you've got to help us get here. And, we had to get a stamp from the post office. And so there was three of us riding together and we ended up riding right up the steps of the post office. You run inside, you bought a stamp or however you got them. And uh, you had that. And so we're having fun and we're whipping around the island and Fozzie was showing us shortcuts. And so we come flying through this intersection and Fozzie gets hit by a car. I mean, not bad, but he went flying. And, you know, not only was he hurt a little bit, man, he was our way to win this race. And uh, <laughs> so we all run over and the dude gets out of the car and he knew Fozzie. He's like, Fozzie, he's like, you okay? And they're helping him up. And Fozzie looked right at us and said, get out of here, man. These mopeds are stolen. <laughs> so we just, burr, burr, and off we went. We did see him later. He was all right. But that's just a funny story, man. And that that particular kind of story happened because of these years of racing and just, so I couldn't tell you about my personal racing career if I couldn't include the fun stories that went with it. And now you can see if you're listening out there, how we got a we got a chance at a movie here or a sitcom or something. So give me a call, go through Leonard, he's my agent, and um, we'll see if we can make it happen. Is that cool, Leonard? I mean, I'll give you uh, no problem. We're on it, man. I, you can uh, let's see. You got a beer? I had a beer for a while. We can you can play me in the later years or something. I don't know. We'll figure that out. <laughs> So uh, it, I don't know, man. I made some notes. I'm, I've pretty much told you about my career lately. Um, last couple of years, I, in 87, when I come back and I decided I better take a break. Um, I did take a break from racing everything. And then I got into, of all things, flat track. Uh, a couple of friends raced flat track and I put some races together on that. And flat track's really cool. One is you don't usually get, you don't have to race in the mud. There's no trees to hit. And I never really did good at it because once again, you had to be fast and I was good, but fast is different. You know, these, some of these guys are really fast, but when you're racing flat track, one thing that's really, really cool is when you pass somebody on the outside, 
Like you're coming down the turn, the guy dies in low, you're on the outside and your stuff's together and you just feel you got good power and you're just going right around this guy and you're just looking at him because he's right on the inside of you and then you just pass him. So that was my flat track days. Never did real well. Raced some indoor stuff, trophies, a little bit of fun cash, but that was it. We got into, um, of course, some motocross again, two-wheel motocross, two-wheel hair scrambles. I did okay on them. I felt like I had good stamina. Stamina, is that it? Stamina. Stamina. Uh, I did well on that, but we got into observed trials. And I'll tell you right now, that is impressive sport. When you see some of the best guys in the world and what they can do on these motorcycles, and it's pretty impressive. But we had fun at observed trials. You go to the event, you know, you got four or five hours to do all your sections. You go at your own pace. It's, It's pretty casual. So that's a good sport. Um, I do recommend that to anybody that's any age. You go to a trials, there's guys 70 years old and they beat you fair and square. You know, they're they're better than you. Motocross or hair scrambles, they probably wouldn't have a chance doing that. So that's good. So I'll probably be that 70 year old guy racing people someday. You live in upstate Maryland or or is it in the middle? I live in kind of central Maryland, I guess. Uh, we're about three miles from the bay. Uh, we live, if you came through Maryland, I live in the first mountain range. I, it's, I call it a mountain range, but in Maryland standards, Catoctin Mountains. Um, the next mountain is the Appalachian Mountains where the Appalachian Trail goes through and they're very close. But yeah, we get mixed weather here. It's a good part of Maryland. Um, we're finally getting some snow today. First time we've had decent snow in a couple of years. And I'm liking that. That movie was Deliverance. Deliverance, yes. Yep, I'm hearing the song now. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I'm <laughs> scared. Uh, so that was filmed in your neighborhood, right? No, I don't know. I'm more West Virginia. Yeah. I'm just teasing. Your terrain there is Rockies and Rocky and trees, right? Yeah, yeah. We have it's it's beautiful. It's good terrain, good rocks and trees for all sorts of ride. I have a piece of property. We have a nice couple mile loop and uh, we can go ride mountain bikes on that and motorcycles. It's, it's entertaining. It's challenging for everybody. Uh, big rocks here in my particular yard. We got monster rocks and they're just stacked up perfectly to play on. Even just to climb around on. Do you practice trials there? Yeah. I do ride. I've been also got into mountain bikes a little lately and that's, that's a nice sport. It's pretty affordable. And I can ride out from my house to the watershed, which is above my house. It's some of the best mountain biking in Maryland. It just happens to be right here at my house. And uh, it's, it's nice. And it's a lot of people ride up here. I, I didn't get on a mountain bike until 2012. No kidding. Yeah, I was a, a bigger, a little bigger than I am now. And uh, somebody close to me just looked at me one day and goes, you're fat. Ooh. Yeah, yeah kind of, kind of, kind of just crushed me. And, uh, within, a, within a week or two, I had a mountain bike and, uh, I haven't been on it so, so much in the last few years because of work, but, um, for a while there, every, every free moment I had, I was out on a trail somewhere here in, in the East County or out in the suburbs of, of San Diego. Um, I like cross country better than I like Hills but the hills are where you burn the fat. So yeah, 
and I am a horrible downhill guy. Every scar I have, I mean, I did pretty good. I raced motorcycles and three wheelers. I've, I've driven some UTVs. I've done a lot of different things. But when I got on that mountain bike, I started busting myself up on the downhills. Yeah, I, I got it. I feel the same way. I got to tell you, I ride with two guys that are older than me uh, just by a year. Uh, they're my regular riding buddies on the mountain bike. They're awesome. They, they kick my butt. Here, I'm the motorcycle guy, and they kill me uphill and downhill in the end. And, uh, but I enjoy it. That's, I have no problem with that at all, but their incentive to make me go better, but you're right downhill. I don't see how they go that fast. It bike, just a bouncy little bike. It only weighs what 30, 40 pounds, but it, it feels like it's going to kick you right off of it. Fragile. I got to go Doug Eichner and I, I was his mechanic for almost 14 years and, and, uh, we're pretty good friends and he just recently moved, but I would go ride with him and, like, if you know anything about Doug, it's, it's he's got a gas tank that just never quits. I mean, the guy never gets tired, ever. I mean, he just doesn't get tired. And uh, for me, I was in shape and I was riding all the time and I'm thinking I'm I'm all this badass and we're pedaling up a hill and he just drives right by and I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. So I had to ride harder and, and train harder. And uh, every once in a while going downhill when there's no jumps, I was doing okay with him. But you put the you put the jumps in there on the mountain bike, and he would soar off these things and do all kinds of cool stuff. And yeah, I'm like, nah, I like my wheels on the ground because. Uh, yeah, that's funny. I feel the same way. I got I got no skills in the air, none. <laughs> oh, but it's, that's cool. It's, it's a lot of fun, and and uh, you know, I've got to do. I've I've been blessed my life. I mean, kind of like you, I've got to go do things and travel and do stuff and. Uh, the ATV industry and the ATV world is, uh, man, it's, it's a blessing. And, and the friends I have and the people that I know, and uh, I mean, I got to meet you and, and it's just, I'll bet money when we were in Blackwater that year, I'll bet money that I met you yeah, because I met a bunch of the guys back there. And I mean, you're talking what, 40 years ago and, uh, to, to remember all that stuff is hard, you know? Yeah, it is. And uh, a lot of other stuff's going through our heads since then, but I'm enjoying it. Uh, recently, it was kind of, I say recently, but uh, one of the cross country guys in my perimeter from the races days had a little reunion. And uh, that was Chuck DeLulu. And he invited us all up to his place. And uh, my buddy Bob Klein and, and Toke was there and Jim Wise. And his wife was um, Sue Huggins who used to race three wheelers and Jimmy met her and they got married and, um, and, uh, and then uh, Chuck Fritz, Norm bitch was there, Mark white, uh, Charlie Watson. These are some just old good racing buddies. Yeah, and all of those guys. I, it was fun, man. And we got to compete and do a little bench racing and, you know, and, and found out, yeah, that's why I beat you. Cause I was better. I've been on the phone with, I've been on the phone quite a few times with Chuck um, we can't seem to get our schedules to match up, but we will, you know, uh, at some point. Uh, and, uh, th- there's just so many guys that, that I want to talk to, you know, uh, I didn't know Barry very well. I, I met him, but I want to, I want to get in touch with Barry and, and the, the whole list of the people you named off. I want to talk to all of them. It's just, I'm struggling to, there's only so many hours in the day and, and, and sometimes I can't, I can't get, get a hold of them all because I don't, I don't know how. 
Yeah, I can, I'll be able to help you with a few names and I'll get you some numbers, but yeah, what you're doing, Leonard is cool, man. When we got this call, you know, it's just like, wow, man, it's really good to hear this and be able to tell. And I mainly, you know, put some notes together and start, and it, then my memory was clicking and I sit down with my buddy Dave and he's got a better memory and he just starts to remember certain stuff and, and races and really how I did, I should have had him here. He'd probably been able to remember some of the race results, but a little better, but God, it's just amazing. And how lucky we are. And yeah, what you're doing is great uh, to be able to let most, I can't imagine anybody not wanting to take their 15 seconds of fame and not turn into a two hour podcast. <laughs> well, you know who got this started, right? Who's that? Andy Lagston. Oh, and okay. I do have it. I wanted to say there's two other guys that I haven't really talked too much about yet that were a huge part of me and my life. And one was Bob Klein. He took over, um, fast forward racing from Dale Wentworth and Bob's still a good friend. Uh, I just found out recently he is sponsoring a, a girl in the GNCC this year, a good rider. I'm sorry. I don't know her name right now, but uh, he's still heavily involved and we get together once or twice a year and, and just have a good time. He lives very up in Pennsylvania, maybe an hour and a half, two hours from here. And um, we'll meet for dinner or something, but God, it's just so much fun to talk to him. But just and really my friend and your friend Andy Lagson has got to be he is uh, he is definitely one of the coolest guys that I've ever met uh, just in real life and racing he, he's a mellow dude he's he had his business you know and uh dirt first he was in Baltimore and we started meeting him at the races and he was one of the first guys that would come and and win four race and then race the two a race and do do well you know and it's like stand on very impressive guy, but he moved to California out there. And you need to do I me a favor. What's that? You need to tell Andy to come on the show. Oh my God. All right. Whatever reason is reluctant. And well, uh, I know he's got some personal reasons, maybe why uh, I can't see why, because he's done some pretty cool things. He's raced ball. He's raced woods. He's raced motocross. He's raced off-road works. Um, he, he He's just done so many things. His bikes I, are immaculate. <laughs> yeah, and he's got stories, man. And I know that he's worked on road race guys uh, stuff and done all kinds of different things. And uh, he's got to race in Europe. Uh, you know, I, I just would love to sit down and have him tell some of the stories that he has, uh, because he, I know he's got them and I know everybody would love to hear him. Yeah, I mean, he is he's a super mellow guy. Uh, but I'll tell you guys out there that he is definitely a cool guy. Dirt first. if. And maybe if enough people start going to go to dirt first racing and see what he's doing out there and start bugging a little bit, maybe he'll come talk on the stories and tell the stories on the show here. Andy, we're calling you out, buddy. Yeah, you are. And you, uh, I've called you out over the phone and texted you. Now I'm calling you out on the air. So l l let's get you on the show. I'd say, well, I mean, my God, man. And plus Ted Trey's talking about you and you don't know what he's going to say about you, except that he's cool. He's a cool guy. Good Lord. Yep. He's a cool guy. I'll just tell everybody right now, Andy, we had to cut a whole section out because of the, some of the things he told us, but that, that's okay. You know, you can call that up and talk to him about it. I'm sorry. I brought that up. I, I didn't realize you were even recording when we were talking about that, but um, <laughs> maybe you should let Andy listen to that and he can rebuke some of those stories, but they're all, they were all true. There's tr yep. super true stories about him. <laughs> And uh, he is, uh, yeah, so yeah, definitely get rid of that one, I told you. But um, so yeah, Andy, you might want to listen to that because he's got, he's got the stories on you now. Mm. And uh, Thanks for the dirt. <laughs> yeah, that is great, man. Uh, 
So I don't know what else to tell you about. I'm once again, I'll probably get off and uh, I look at some of my notes and I'm like, God, I forgot to bring that, but uh, that's pretty much what it is. You know, I, I enjoyed racing. I really, as you can tell, oh my God, you know, and I didn't even tell you about in the last two years. I do have to wrap up with something here. I'm glad I just looked at that. Uh, so about three years ago, local ATV enthusiast and total super guy, George Hodges from Maryland. Uh, one thing about George is he's not only an avid ATV guy, he does this cool little matchbox uh, rebuilding and he's got a little YouTube channel. Uh, and if you guys look up George Hodges, if you're into matchboxes, he does total rebuilds of matchboxes. But I'm just throwing that in because I don't even know if you'd want me to say that, but I'm going to let you know. It's a super cool guy and you get to meet him. But he gave me a 250R three-wheeler, an 85, and we started practicing and he wanted me to race again. And, and so I said, you know, so we went up to a couple of races, a race and watched at Breezewood Proving Grounds up in Pennsylvania. And um I ended up racing those races and I, I couldn't believe it, but I felt pretty confident. Um, and I beat some of these guys. And uh, I want to interrupt you. This is Danny Duncan. This is my dad. This hey, Danny. I started sir? everything. Dad, this is Ted Trey, the 1984 cross country national champion. How you do, sir? Man, thanks and glad to meet you. I, I appreciate what you're doing. And, uh, the products you've been making are incredible. In fact, I heard rumor that you might have been on one of the first three-wheel magazines, and I probably got a copy of it here. Actually, I was. Was you a rate? Did you was you a racer, or or just get it for being an engine builder, or what? No, I was an engine builder. Nice. And uh, and they formed a, a race team, and uh, I was taking care of about nine nine guys in that deal, but. Uh, yeah, I was on the cover. There's a picture, I think, of a motorhome, and I'm standing back in the back. Never well, likes to be in the front. Never wants to. Never wants his picture taken. But I wanted him to meet you, Ted. And oh I, my God, sir, I'm, it's an honor. Your kids are, you know, they're doing well. You got to be. I was bragging about my kids earlier, and you got plenty of reason to brag about Leonard and Lauren and what they've been doing and where they're taking your. Things. and that's that's cool as a dad man to be able to say that it really is yeah well i'm i'm rather proud of them yes man that's a good thing well keep up the good work and don't, i hope you ain't working too hard still he still outworks most of the young guys mm -hmm. you know that's a good that's cool man that's nice that you brought him in here no it was he was just he was actually out uh at the shop at the engine facility with my brother this morning. And, um, he just happened to walk into the, into the area where I taped these and I wanted to, wanted him to meet. Man, you. you know, I, I love stuff like that. I, I like family and I'm not afraid to brag about it or even talk about it or see other people. So, and so that's cool. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt where you were. No, that was an honor, man. Dad comes through. That's important. Um, that is really important. So, I am blessed to still have my teacher and my mentor, my friend, my dad, the guy that uh, uh, inf uh, afflicted me with the ATV disease, and um, yeah, and uh, I, you know I, I think, <laughs> you know I thank him so much because it's uh, it's everything in my world, and that's what that's what brings ATV talk out is, you know. 
all of us have a story. All of us have a past. All of us have uh, these friendships and these people that we know. And what I'm trying to do for you, for me, is to let the people that are new to the industry or new to the sport uh, know that, you know, all these amazing things happened in the past. And uh, just like that picture I can see over your your left shoulder of uh, the three-wheeler. Oh, yeah. I'm still got some stuff going, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, it, it, it's an amazing, it's an amazing time. And, and <laughs> that's it. That's pretty awesome. And yeah, that's- I want to thank you so much for taking some time with ATV talk and myself and telling your story, please. Uh, I always do this and, and I mean it. I, I want to extend an invitation to you to come back. Um, and we can set another time to talk, maybe do a chat with you and some of the other old, old timers. I say old timers. I'm one of you old timers, but, uh, we can have a chat with, uh, multiple guys and, and tell some uh, race stories and, uh, let everybody know that the friendships that we've gained and the, and the time that we've spent in our industry isn't just about racing. It's about, uh, a life experience and a family that yeah. never goes away. That's what I think the three wheelers and four wheelers do to people. It's a little different. Um, I, if I could just one more thing, I wanted to wrap up because I, I didn't. Um, I, I wanted to say, but my buddy George Hodges. So he did give me a bike two years ago, and I raced it a couple times. Uh, it really wasn't fair for the other riders because I was twenty years older than those guys and <laughs> uh, had a little bit more experience. But my wife and I went up to Harrisburg to the Motorama and. I happily won both days on that three-wheeler that he gave me. And it was just incredible to be able to do that again and to wrap up. I don't race anymore because I'd like to finish up, not with a broken shoulder, beat up like I happened out west, but with a nice first-place trophy <laughs> that I could have. And so that was it, man. I could, You could see I could talk forever. And like I say, what you're doing is awesome, man. I appreciate you bringing me on getting to talk about these old friends and, and tell these stories and then meeting you really. And now your daddy and, and that's super cool, man. And so I appreciate you having us on here from Maryland. Everybody. This is Ted Trey, 1984 champion. Okay. Don't ever forget that. He's he'll go down in the history books forever as being the first cross country champ. Good. Well, keep in touch. I'll see if I can get you some numbers of some other people you could bug. And, uh, actually put a call on Andy yesterday and he, I ain't got back with him yet. So I'll try to touch base within the day and um, no big picks in the Super Bowl tonight for me, buddy. I got mine, but my team's out a while back. So yeah, my team's out a while back too. I, you know, as much as I choke on saying this, I think TB 12 is going to win another one. Well, you got to admit the dude, you think about the guys you really hated, not hated. Did you, you, we're against racing motorcycles, but you look at some of these guys that have put in some major finishes and Brady can come back and do it more power to him. That other young boy, my, my, my homie, he, he, uh, he can win many more TV's got to go. So I guess I'm kind of rooting for him. Well, I, I, I think that he's the, the favorite, but you know, I was never a Tom Brady fan when he was in new England. Just couldn't stand the team. Couldn't stand him. And, but going to, going to Tampa Bay, and I know this is about off-road racing, but you, you, and as an athlete, 
you know, maybe it is true. Maybe he is the best. Maybe he is the greatest. And I've always thought that Peyton Manning changed the NFL in a way that uh, by his dynamics and the things that he knew and the, he never, you know, he never won multiple Super Bowls. He got two, but maybe Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. You We're know, getting I mean, ready to find out in about six hours. <laughs> yeah, we will. Well, I think he, he's already got five. You know, if he wins six, <laughs> wow. You know, you just walk out. Mm. <laughs> I don't think he will. I think he'll come back. He might. You're man. still winning. Why would you quit? I think sometimes it's better to quit. It's harder to quit when you're winning, but you know, if you go away and say, oh, I've won my last race. So I got to win my national, the first series, the first year I raced the nationals, I won. And I just won my last three wheel race two years ago, year ago. I should probably say I'm done. <laughs> Will I? It's hard to say. <laughs> In the history, this is always going to be number one, brother. Thanks brother. Hey, thank you very much. And you guys take it easy out West there. And, uh, We'll keep things cool here in Maryland. Well, make sure you send me a picture of you sledding today. Oh, okay. I can do that. I got your number now. All right. Brother. <laughs> See you guys. You have a great one. Thanks again, Ted. ATV hey, Talk again. loves you, and, and we appreciate all, all, all the stories, and we're going to get you back on. All right. Thanks for talking with me, man. Take care. All right, Later. brother. Have a great day. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time. <laughs>